Hi everybody, Terry Wellbrock here. Just wanted to take a moment to one, thank you for being here, and two, talk about the amazing guest that I have coming on today. But before I talk about uh, about her, I wanted to tell you a, an awesome little story uh, and, and also let you know that every day I'm feeling a little bit better, so I'm happy to be back recording. Uh, I've had to turn so many people away because I'm booked out into 2022 and telling them, please reach out to me next year. Uh, just so many amazing folks coming and wanting to wanting to be on the show. So that speaks volumes about uh, the message of this of this podcast of hope and healing, and that uh, healers are wanting to come come join me. So anyway, my cute little story. So a friend of mine, one of my dearest favorite people in all the world, had told me that she she just recently started this new job and was talking to a new coworker, and just. A kind of get to know each other chat and uh, the word woo-woo came up which I loved <laughs> that they were talking about how their interest in woo-woo stuff because as you all know woo-woo comes up sometimes on this show which I love that we can dive into that those topics and uh, this person mentioned that they had listened to a podcast by a woman blah 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 and my friend said do you know the name of the podcast or the person and here it turns out it was me and this show what a crazy awesome small world so that just made my day that this person was enjoying uh, one of one of the episodes that uh, I had put out so yeah uh, so today's guest Dr. Tina Pierce I had reached out to her my diagnosis uh, has been histamine intolerance or HIT and possibility of mast cell activation syndrome or MCAS and so we're still just trying to figure out the best uh, the best approaches for me and everything that I have in place seems to be starting to fall into place. But I had reached out to her to come on and talk about it because I was interested in learning more from her. I had seen a YouTube video of hers uh, that she was being interviewed and um, yeah, it really, really struck me. So I said, I wonder if she'll come talk to talk to my audience on this show and she agreed which was wonderful out of the UK and uh, yeah so she's going to touch upon that and then also um, she just had a conference which I attended and it was wonderful and so packed with information but on uh, long COVID or long haul for those who uh, had COVID-19 and then are having lingering symptoms weeks months even over a year year and a half later um, so she's going to address address that as well. All right. Thanks again for being here. And now for the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and just absolutely thrilled to have with me today, Dr. Tina Pierce. She is a doctor specializing in women's health, established the menopause consultancy, and is currently treating long COVID, histamine intolerance, and mast cell activation syndrome with patients. So welcome, Dr. Tina. Thank you very much, Terry. I'm absolutely delighted and thrilled to be here speaking to you and to your audience. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I, I, I've been just such a fan of your work since you came across my radar a few weeks ago and um, said, I'm going to reach out and see if she'll come join me on this show because the work you're doing is just, I mean, it's so filled with hope, which is why I put this show out into the universe is really to shine light of hope. And you really are doing so. You just had a 
the TLC conference, which is treating long COVID and 2,200 folks attended that. And so, yeah, can you talk to us a little bit about the work you're doing? Yes. Well, it, it all stems historically from my interest in muscle activation syndrome. So um, alongside being, I was a consultant, I was a GP for seven years. Then I was a consultant in contraception and reproductive health for 24 years, running a big service in Surrey. And then at the same time, I was also um, very interested in, in all issues of women's health, including the menopause. So I, I became a menopause specialist. I worked at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in London and uh, became a menopause specialist. And then I opened the menopause consultancy. But in 2016, my interest in muscle activation uh, was motivated by my youngest daughter. So my youngest daughter, Jessie, um, was always chronically ill all her life, and we could never quite work out what was going on with her. And she had weird symptoms that seemed to be very disparate and disconnected. And um, whenever we went to see any consultants, they just would say, oh, she's got eczema, she'll grow out of it or whatever. And I'd say, well, yes, but she's getting chest pain, which was actually angina. Um, but they, you know, when she was seven years old and they would say, well, no, 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 she's fine. Her tests are all normal. And I say, yeah, okay, but she's getting chest pain. <laughs> And um, and then uh, so anyway, so she had IBS, she had all sorts of allergies and reactions and eczema and swellings of her face and um, terrible exhaustion. So like Emmy um, and uh, and we didn't get to the bottom of it. And then in 2016, she became super ill and she became super ill because she was so fed up of feeling chronically unwell and tired that she decided to go on an absolute health kick. So she was exercising like crazy. She was um, she was uh, bulleting superfoods and drinking this green gunk which was full of very good high energy um, vegetables and things, but they were all high histamine. So she didn't realize that she was poisoning herself. And over a four week period, she just became so poisoned and so unwell, she could hardly walk. I mean, it was terrible. And her eczema was so bad when she moved her head, her, her skin just split on her neck. I mean, it was just horrendous. And then she woke up with a big, big swollen face and swollen lips, so she couldn't drink. She couldn't even drink water. Oh. And um, and that's when she 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 called me up um, on a Saturday. I was cooking for twelve. I was giving a dinner party for twelve people, and I was busy cooking all this meal. And then next thing, I get this emergency phone call from her, and she's in tears. And now she's very stoic, so for her to be in tears is really bad news. And I knew something very serious was wrong. So I rushed around to her flat and picked her up and brought her home. And that's when I made the diagnosis. And um, and I was just looking at her and listing all her symptoms and thinking, what is going on here? Now, I didn't make the diagnosis because I knew about MCAS. I made the diagnosis because somebody 10 years before had said something to me about histamine intolerance. And when I looked it up on the Internet, there was nothing, absolutely nothing about histamine intolerance. So that would have been 2006, 2005. Absolutely nothing. But I stored it away in the back of my head. And when she came with all these symptoms again, I said, right, I need to just check on histamine intolerance. And that's when I came across the muscle activation and the histamine. And there was much more information. Thank goodness. I was able to make the diagnosis, but then I wasn't sure that I'd made the diagnosis because I never sort of made that diagnosis in anyone before. And um, we took her to six consultants, top professors in their fields, and nobody made the diagnosis. Nobody seemed to know what we were talking about. And that was terrifying, actually. And we actually took her to see a top um, a top immuno, uh, allergy, uh, immunologist and allergy specialist in London. It cost me an absolute arm and a leg. And he sat there and said to her and to me, I think she's got a brain tumour. Oh. 
which was horrendous because I I knew she definitely didn't have a brain tumor. And I was, we were taking him all these symptoms for him to say, oh, she's got mast cell activation. This is what we're going to do, you know. And actually, he just didn't get it at all. And luckily, you know how mothers can give an, a glance to a child, one of your children, and you can just signal with your eyes. Yes. And, and I looked at her immediately and signaled, he's a twat, don't take any notice of what he's saying. And because she looked so terrified, as you can imagine. Yeah. And then she realized, okay, okay, mum says not to worry. And then we, we walked out of there and it was like, we got no further forward. We're just much poorer, but we got no further forward. And it was very, very frustrating. Eventually I found a doctor who was a urogynecologist in London who knew all about it. And he was wonderful, absolutely wonderful, Professor Vic Kular at St. Mary's Paddington. And he just said, I know, I was got him on the phone and said, she's got all these symptoms, 30, 40 symptoms. And he said, I said, I think she's got histamine intolerance. And he said, you're absolutely right. I can't tell you the relief and the, the the sort of feeling of thank goodness we now have found some help and, and we're park, barking up the right tree, you know. And that's where my interest developed. And after that, once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. So then I started diagnosing loads of patients who were coming to me for contraception or the menopause with histamine intolerance and muscle activation because I was taking a full history, looking at them holistically and thinking, oh, you've got all this inflammation, you've got IBS, you've got chronic headaches, you've got, you know, intolerance to progesterone, you've got a history of serious infections in your past and traumas in your childhood and so on. And, and so I started to maybe diagnose six, seven people a week who were just coming to me for something else. And I started helping them to feel better. And it was the most rewarding and wonderful work because people had spent decades often going to doctors with lots and lots of symptoms and being completely unable to get any relief or any help or any understanding of what was happening to them, which is a very frightening place to be, really. Um, and so I started to be able to help them and learn as much as I possibly could. Now, mast cell activation is quite a newly sort of put together syndrome. It's only in the sort of 2000s, early 2000s, really, that it started to be put together. Um, and, um, and in 2007, the first three cases were published. Uh, the first publications of cases was published. And, um, and but so most doctors, it's not on their radar. It's not on the curriculum at medical school. They don't discuss it. They never heard of it and they don't know it. So they're seeing it all the time, every day in their clinics, but they're not they're not recognizing it. And so that's really frustrating for patients. It's also difficult because when I then send letters and try and talk to doctors about it, they glaze over because they don't really know what I'm talking about. So that's frustrating. So I get some of the frustration that patients have experienced. Anyway, so I started doing that. And over the six years, I've been getting more and more experience and getting my daughter better and better and better. And that's a whole other story of the sort of journey, uh, the MCAS journey. And then this time last year, when we started hearing about M uh, long COVID and all the symptoms that patients were experiencing from the funny rashes and the fatigue and the palpitations and the POTS type syndrome, you know, low blood pressure, tachycardia, um, the insomnia, the, et cetera, the IBS, et cetera. I sort of listened to this and I thought, they've got muscle activation. This is what's happening. And, um, and I started thinking, I, I definitely think they've got that. And I therefore know how to treat them. So I felt morally obliged to 
let everyone know that I thought I knew how to treat them. Um, and so I went on to BBC Look East television and on the news live and asked them. I had three minutes to say my bit. And I, I said, look, I, I've, you know, we're hearing about long COVID. Um, I think it might be muscle activation. If patients with long COVID could download this free app called the People With App, I think you saw Mark. I, I have it, yeah. Yeah, you have it. It's brilliant. And you can monitor your symptoms. And I said, please put put your symptoms in so I can see if your profiles look like the profiles of patients with MCAS. 2000 patients did, which was just phenomenal. And I'm so grateful to them for doing that because we could look and instantly with these apps and things, it's so quick to do any research, isn't it? And we could look at it and instantly we could see they all had exactly the same exactly the same profile with lots of different symptoms etc etc and um, so then I thought well now I really must open a clinic because I think I could help these people and I need to talk to them and work out whether their previous history is suggestive of mass selectivation or whether the coronavirus has not just exacerbated it but caused it so some people who had no mass selectivation at all previously do they now have it because of the coronavirus? So I made the decision, even though I was completely fully booked, fully busy, busy, busy bee, um, I decided I would make one morning clear and not do admin and do another clinic. And I opened a, a long COVID clinic. And that was on the 1st of November. And I put it in my diary till the end of March. And within 36 hours, it was fully booked. Wow. Which showed the demand, the absolute demand. And prior to that, I had been talking on a few podcasts and things saying, I think this is what's going on, because I wanted people to help themselves as well and to get as much information out to people as possible. And um, to me, this isn't about making money. It's not about seeing more patients. It's about helping people um, and you know, getting the messages out so that people can actually start helping themselves, because a lot of this stuff you can just buy over the counter. And uh, so that's where my interest sort of started. And then lo and behold, as I started having, I've now treated over 80 patients and each one, there's only two patients I've come across who haven't had previous symptoms suggestive of Marcel, some Marcel dysfunction before they got coronavirus. And those two patients um, responded to the treatment so rapidly and so quickly and uh, got completely back to normal within a couple of weeks of treatment. The others, some of the others have also got back to, to normal within two or three or four or five, six weeks, which has been really brilliant. And some have got back to 80%, 90% improvement. Um, so, you know, it, but I think that people start in a different place. So not everybody starts from being really very well before they get the coronavirus. Some of them have got real mast cell issues, which are they need to be sorted and treated. So it's not going to be such a quick fix for them. But everyone's going in the right direction, and everyone is now understanding, um, you know, their their makeup and their metabolism much more, and how to work with nature and the body that they've been given. Um, and uh, and also um, some patients um, have said they are actually fitter and healthier than they were pre-COVID. So yes. we've actually, you know, really helped sort out some of their issues that nobody was sorting out before. So it's it's been a very interesting journey, I must say, and very unexpected. You know, this time last year, I was, well, just I could, would never have believed that I would be here now doing talking about this.
you know, it is amazing how life can lead us. Yeah. Yes. And just helping your daughter. And wow, when you were talking about the validation, when I sat in front of that nutritionist and said, I had come across you. And again, it was a godsend that it just came across my radar. You came across my radar. An interview you had done um, with Dr. Is it Mobeam? Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. when I sat in front of her and started talking about it, and she said, oh, you most definitely have histamine intolerance going on. And I had started implementing a low histamine diet. But just to hear somebody say it after I'd been seeing all these other doctors who were yeah. saying, oh, take this pill, take this pill, take, yeah. this, pill, take this pill. And I was, I, I don't take any meds normally. Like, no. I'm a healthy no. person. And I was like, I don't want to take these pills. That's no. masking the no. symptoms. I want to know what's the underlying current for this. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's it's. Um, I must say, I try to treat patients very holistically, and um, and in fact, this morning I had a Zoom call with the British Association of Nutritional Therapists because we're going to do a, a conference in October and they've asked me to um to speak at that and it was fascinating talking to them and and I was saying you know if I was younger I would do a functional medicine diploma or something and this and I because I in my head I thought it must be two years court you know degree something like that you know and they said oh no 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 you could do it you could do it and I said well you know what it, how long is the course and everything and they said well there's a five-day five-day course and then you do other modules on top as and when you can and I thought you know I can do that um and um and whilst I'm trying to practice in a sort of functional medicine type of way I'd love to do the course because there is I'm sure so much I do not know and I would love to know uh, so that I could help my patients even more so yeah so that was an exciting revelation for me this morning that it wasn't um full-time course for two right. years <laughs> going back for your master's right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I thought, oh God, how right. am I going to fit that all in? I've got two grandchildren and one on the way, and uh, and it, they take up a lot of my time when I'm, you know, when I'm not working. I'm with them, helping with them, and it's a great joy. But I was thinking, how am I going to do, a, you know, a diploma in functional medicine as well? But I think I can do it. Right. Well, good. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's who I've switched to is a functional, yeah, functional medicine doctor, yeah. as well as the nutritionist. And what's fascinating to me is, you know, hearing you talk about your daughter's history and how that was really a motivating factor for you to find this path is that my nutritionist had chronic Lyme. And so she really did her yeah. own research for yeah. her own journey. And she's, smarter than than anyone I've ever talked to when it comes to the impact of food on the body, the impact yeah. of supplements and so forth. And yeah. so I just, again, I just feel blessed yeah. to found her, but she was motivated by her own journey. Yes. Well, there, there's a silver lining, isn't there? Yeah. There's a big, big silver lining for those of us who, who, who grasp that. Right. Um, I think that's just amazing. You know, we I say to my daughter, um, you know, she's we try and work out why she's got it and why she's been so ill, really. And uh, we say, well, the silver lining is that we're going to help lots of other people. Yeah. So, so that makes it worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. She's she's actually pregnant at the moment. She's due a baby end of August. Oh. And um and 
And I'm sure that's as a result of us getting her so well. <laughs> and, and maybe one or two other things that happened. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but, um, but she, um, yeah. So she, she, I was quite concerned because I thought she could have had, um, you know, infertility and difficulty with conceiving or lots of miscarriages, which can happen with the inflammation. And, um, and actually it's all been fine. So that's very exciting. Oh, so, wonderful. Well, congrats. Yeah. Yes. And of course, when, when somebody with MCAS is pregnant, they don't have MCAS. Wow. No, they don't have MCAS because the, the placenta makes so much diamine oxidase um, something like five or 600 times more than normal than is normally made in the body, um, that it brings the histamine levels really low. So she can eat a normal diet at the moment. So she's enjoying right. <laughs> and eating things that she hasn't been able to eat for, you know, for a decade. Um, and she's, uh, yeah, she's really well. Yeah, oh so. my gosh, you have just blown my mind with that. And I only say that because I remember when I was pregnant and a bunch of my friends were pregnant all at the same time. And they were like, Oh, I have morning sickness. Oh, I feel horrible. I don't have energy. And I remember saying to them through both pregnancies, I have yeah. never felt so good in my whole life. <laughs> there you are. Pregnant. I feel amazing. And I'm wondering if it wasn't just that, again, that chronic inflammation yeah. that was kind yeah. of, I, you know, now, now I think it really has been an underlying factor. And one of the things I wanted to steer to because we talk a lot about trauma and ACEs, yeah. adverse childhood experiences and yeah. trauma recovery, yeah. is that we now know through the ACEs studies and ACEs science that that inflammation really is a concern and a factor that affects so many of us with high ACE scores. Yeah, definitely. I think that, I mean, the, the work has yet to be done that I, unless it's out there and I don't know about it, but I think that we're going to probably learn that the immune system is on red alert, no matter what the trigger is in the body and the trigger could be trauma. So if you imagine, if you're upset about something and you're feeling scared or um, frightened or um, ups, just upset, um, then your immune system is going to be like, okay, how can we keep you safe? What can we do? Let's just overreact now and make sure that this little person is going to be as safe as possible because we don't need her catching some nasty infection now while she's so upset and vulnerable. So the, the immune system just overreacts then and then it becomes a trigger and of course when your immune system is on red alert that causes hyperinflammation because it releases all the cytokines and the chemokines which we've all been reading about with to do with covid um, but you know they've been around for a lot longer than covid and they've been there uh, causing all these symptoms in so many people for so many years you know and the triggers can be not just food not just viruses not just stress not just mold or lyme disease but also you know, real, real emotional trauma. Right. I, I think, you know. Well, yeah. And I agree. And as I, when I, I read one of your PDFs, I think on your website, and it was yeah. you, one of the things you were talking about was um, what can occur coming out of hyperinflammation and cytokine storms and all that. But one of the things you talked about physical things like IBS and eczema, and, but, yeah. but it was panic attacks. When I saw that, I was said, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 So when your histamine is high, your body releases adrenaline to try and bring down the histamine. That's one of the mechanisms the body uses. And of course, adrenaline makes you feel really anxious. So it causes anxiety. And in 
in some patients, it will actually cause a panic attack. So, you know, these patients who say, look, I was, you know, I'm a pretty calm person, really. And I don't get really upset about very much. But my God, I just had a panic attack. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? And it's because their histamine's high. Yeah. And if you don't know what some of the triggers are, it's very difficult to avoid them, isn't it? So you're inadvertently eating lots of triggers, letting yourself be exposed to lots of triggers that then just push your histamine higher and higher and higher. So then it becomes over toxic and it's gone above the level you know, below which you're okay and above which you're toxic, it goes above that. And then all the symptoms come and they can't, they can come very quickly. And in some patients, exposure to a trigger, it can be almost instant, you know, like an anaphylactic type shock, but instant reaction. And in others, it can be 24 hours, 36 hours later. And they think, what the hell, you know, yeah. why have I got a terrible headache and I can't get out of bed this morning because I'm so exhausted? What, what did I do? And it's not always easy to work it out. Right. But yeah, well, it, definitely on a low histamine diet and keeping a food log and, and really monitoring. Yeah, one has to be a little bit like a sort of military um, campaign. <laughs> you have to be sort of organized and uh, very logical and trying to re- record things so that you not not that you become uh, sort of obsessed by it, but just so that you're aware and you're mindful about what you're eating, ha- what's happened. And then if you think you can look back and think, ah, it's because, you know, that woman came into the shop and she had the most dreadful perfume on and, and I couldn't. <laughs> And it's really upset me, um, you know, all these smells that are put everywhere now in the shops and things. It's terrible. Too many stimuli everywhere. No. Yeah. So yeah. now treatment plans. Is there a, is yeah. there a team like doctors trying to come up with? I know you certainly have your yeah. suggestions on what people so, should be taking. Yeah. So one of the interesting things I've been um, promoting since the beginning of the coronavirus is that we should be treating it immediately. Somebody gets ill. We shouldn't be waiting for them to become super ill before we, you know, either to either get over it or become super ill and then admit them to hospital and have to give them oxygen and things. And um, and that was something I don't know if you noticed, Terry, but on the conference or I asked that question of the the initial speakers, and they all agree that aggressive immediate treatment of acute COVID or any virus is really, really important. And so um, you need to um, to have immediate treatment, even if you just think, um, have I got it? I've been in contact with somebody who's got it, you know. So you want to have, in that case, um, and a lot of these people can just buy over the counter, so they can do this for themselves. You want to make sure that you've got good vitamin D inside you, So start now. Don't wait to catch anything to have it. Make sure your stores are up in vitamin D. Vitamin D, and it's always best to take it with K2. And then um, uh, uh, vitamin C, which is a natural antihistamine, and you want a slow-release one or one three times a day because it's metabolized away very quickly. Um, And then you want uh, magnesium and also uh, selenium and zinc. And it seems that the the virus uses up a lot of those minerals. So it's very important for your own metabolism and your own immune system to have those in supplement form as well. And then also to take some antihistamines. So you can buy these over the counter type one antihistamines such as loratadine or cetirizine. um, And but you take 10 milligrams at least twice a day. And if you're feeling very unwell, do it three times a day. So that's eight hourly or 12 hourly. Um, and if you can get hold of a type two antihistamine, which I think in America, you might be able to buy over the counter, actually. So for or nizatidine, 
then to take those twice a day as well. And also to take quercetin, which you can buy definitely over the counter, which is a mast cell stabilizer. And the theory behind this is, and Dr. Afrin has written an excellent paper uh, with Dr. Molderings and Dr. Weinhardt about this. And, um, and they, um, they published this in the International Journal of Infectious Diseases in uh, September, September the 10th last year. And I was so pleased to see that because that was exactly my theory, you know, that this is what's going on with people. And they said that they feel that mast cell activation, we estimate to be about affect about 17% of the population, which is really high. Um, and we think it has a role to play in everyone with IBS, with fibromyalgia, with chronic fatigue, ME, uh, with POTS, with hypermobility, with eczema, asthma, um, psoriasis, rosacea, all of those sort of things, hives, funny urticaria, and so on. Um, um, dermatographism, definitely. Um, and burning mouth syndrome. Burning mouth syndrome has, in Dr. Afrin's experience, is always muscle activation driven. So uh, anyone who's had any of those um, will, and that's about 17% of the population, have got slightly dysfunctional mast cells. Now, when they get any stressor like a virus, they get stepwise worse. And so coronavirus is just like any other virus and it comes into their body and it makes them react abnormally. And what happens is their immune system goes into hyperdrive and releases all these cytokines, which then cause inflammation. And it's the inflammation that kills people. So it's the result of having the virus that kills somebody, not the sort of virus, what the virus is doing to the cells. It's what it's done to the mast cells and to the immune system. And, um, and then your own immune system starts to just a tsunami of cytokines causing this massive inflammation and clotting and bleeding and everything else. And um, so if you treat people as if they've all got mast cell activation and try and help calm their mast cells down as soon as they catch coronavirus, then in my experience and the mast cell activation doctor's experience, people don't progress to really serious disease they actually start to feel better quite quickly. Um, and people who don't have muscle activation, they often have either no symptoms at all with coronavirus or very mild symptoms, and they get over it within a week. And if you look at their Cambridge University, looked at people's B cells and T cells of those who just had a mild illness, and within a week, their B cells and T cells, which are part of our immune system, were back to normal. And the, But the ones who had long COVID, their B cells and T cells were abnormal and um and they they were abnormal in a prolonged way you know every time they tested them they were abnormal and i would hypothesize that they were abnormal before they caught the coronavirus <laughs> and that's why they're having long covid and that's why they've had this inflammatory pathway um so therefore it stands it's logical and i had there are no randomized controlled trials before somebody asked for one there's we haven't got anything like that we've got a lot of anecdotal observational evidence that this does work and it does help people and against the backdrop of doing nothing it seems very sensible to do something with very safe drugs that are readily available and to try something and if anyone is on any other drugs I would just uh, put the proviso that they check with their doctor uh, about taking the antihistamines that it's okay for them to do that if they're on other you know medication for their heart or whatever but um, there are very few contraindications to these drugs and they are very safe. That's why they're sold over the counter. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, it's worth trying. <laughs> We've oh, got absolutely. I said, then, I've, I've been doing my DA, K1, K2, and the whole host of others. I'm introducing C tomorrow. And um, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and of and course, then, yeah. Yeah. And then the treatment for long COVID is the same. It's essentially the same. It's the same vitamins and minerals with um, omega-3 as well. And um, what else? Omega-3 and glutathione. That's the thing. Now, we, what we've done in our 80 patients is they've all, um, all of them without exception, actually, I think, have uh, we've run their uh, genetic tests okay. so that we can see what their makeup was. And one of the lecturers, Emma Bezik, who's a very dear friend now, she runs a company called Life Code GX, and she was doing all the genetic pathways for, for me and the patients. And she presented at the conference of the findings on the findings that um, she has discovered from all their reports. And it's very interesting. So 50% of the population have a, an absent gene uh, that makes glutathione. Now, glutathione is um, one of the strongest antioxidants in the body. It's really important. It's so important that the body makes it. It has a gene to make it. Um, and it's, it sort of gets rid of all the oxidative stress that can build up from toxins in the body. But 50% of the population don't have that gene and don't make the glutathione. So unless you take it by mouth, you're going to be struggling with oxidative stress. Now, if you've got a cytokine storm, you're going to have a lot of chemicals being released into your body, a lot of sort of debris, if you like, from the virus and from your cells, which then needs mopping up, and that's going to cause oxidative stress. But if you don't have glutathione, your own production, then your body is going to struggle with that. And um, so taking glutathione is really important. In our long COVID patients, virtually all of them had this absent gene. So wow that you know that's too much of a coincidence we would have expected 50 percent of them to have it and 50 percent of them not to have it you know but actually the vast majority of them did not have the glutathione making genes so therefore taking glutathione is a really good idea um, in those patients and maybe it's all the long covid patients have that genetic makeup you know and then there were some other things we also found most of the patients only like one or two out of 80 uh, most of them have problems with their histamine metabolism and about 20 to 30 percent of the population have poor histamine metabolism genetically. And um, and they certainly seem to be in our long covid group. Yeah. So that's why that's why the low histamine diet and the antihistamine seems to also be sensible, a sensible approach and works, you know. And some people find as soon as they switch to a low histamine diet, they start to feel so much better really quickly. No. Yes, for sure. And, you know, it's so funny when you were talking about your daughter and doing that little health kick. I was swimming and biking and doing all my stuff, but I was eating my avocados and my spinach and my yes. bananas. And then I come to find out, oh my gosh, cashews and bananas and avocados and spinach, like all my favorite things are super yeah. histamine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, you're in a histamine soup. Yeah. Like, terrible it's terrible and yes they are healthy foods but you have to be able to metabolize them and if you have problems with metabolism of the histamine they contain then you're in trouble you know you might get away with having one occasionally um but not every day and not every meal right. um you know, but and i i think one is i think there are two reasons why we're seeing more and more people with ibs and chronic fatigue and so on and so forth and all these mast cell activation symptoms and syndromes and i think that's because our modern diets are very very high in histamine 
I think that, um, you know, people are drinking fresh coffee. Now, when I was a little girl, this shows how old I am. When I was a little girl, you, you couldn't get hold of fresh coffee and you had instant coffee. And then as a really special treat, somebody would bring out a cafetiere at a dinner party like twice a year and there would be fresh coffee. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wow. You know, but now people are having coffee at home in their espresso machine. And then they they go and they stand on the station with another cup that they've bought from the barista. And then, you know, they'll have several a day. Um, and, you know, the, so that's really uh, people are drinking. Uh, they're drinking green tea. Now that's a new novelty. You know, that's only the last 10 years or so. So green tea tea they're having more alcohol um, and those things are high in histamine but they're also diamine oxidase blockers so they they make you um it, it's even more difficult for you to metabolize your histamine and then we have things like um you know pre-prepared food you know snack dinners um microwave food tv dinners leftovers um, all of these things. And then we've got the things like tomatoes all year round, not just in season, avocados all year round, you know, all these things that we used to have in season are now all year round. And so our basic healthy diet even can be very high in histamine. Takeaways are really high in histamine and people, I'm always amazed. Uh, I won't say shocked, but amazed at how many patients tell me they have at least one takeaway a week. And I mean, apart from being jolly expensive, Right. I can't imagine anything worse. You know, it's like, why? but fresh food is so lovely to prepare and eat at home. But anyway, so, so people are eating a lot of takeaways and they're eating a lot of very high histamine foods. So that's fine if you've got good histamine metabolism, normal mast cells. But if you haven't, you're going to be constantly giving yourself a bit of poison, basically. Um, and the other thing that I think is causing it is there are so many chemical stimulants now everywhere you know the the pollution in the air we breathe the perfumes people are wearing the the all our household cleaning products they've all got stuff in them you know so many chemicals in everything you just think actually you could just use bicarbonate of soda <laughs> to wash to wash things vinegar on your windows and <laughs> and just minimize all those chemicals everywhere even our carpets are treated aren't they with antifungal chemicals and you know so our bodies are constantly being attacked, if you like, by various chemicals and stimulants. And if you've got slightly dodgy mast cells, they are going to become hypervigilant. Yeah. And when they're hypervigilant, they just fire at the least trigger, you know, and then they make you ill, unfortunately. Right. So mm, that's, that's the theory. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I could sit here and talk to you for another three hours. So <laughs> I mean, amazing. Oh my gosh. But I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Was there anything that we, we haven't touched upon that you wanted to talk about? Um, yes, there's, there's one thing. Um, so Dr. Bruce Patterson, who was the first, first speaker at the conference, he announced uh, his latest findings, his latest research. And we were very privileged that he was announcing it through our conference, that he actually identified the spike protein in the monocytes of patients with long COVID. So um, we did suspect there was some kind of viral debris still around, and he identified it as the spike protein in the monocytes. And the monocytes are part of our immune system. And um, so therefore, um, he was uh, advocating that we should use some antiviral medication to clear that spike protein and help our bodies clear it. And um, there is a, um, a an antiviral antiparasitic drug that is widely available um, and is very cheap. 
and it's called ivermectin and it's very safe and it's been around for 40 years. Um, it has won the Nobel Prize for Medicine for the two people who invented it in 2015 for its great contribution to global uh, well-being and health um, because it has um, eradicated uh, elephantiasis and river blindness. Wow. So 3.6 billion doses have been given worldwide. It works um, as a prophylactic to prevent people catching coronavirus. It has an 87% efficacy on that. So people can take it to stop them catching coronavirus. It also works in acute coronavirus. Many parts of the world, they are using it, it to treat acute coronavirus. I don't know if you were aware in the US of the... Um, the big spike in, in infections in India uh, recently, and it was horrendous. I mean, their, their hospitals were totally overwhelmed. And now all their numbers have come right down. So from like, you know, 480 deaths a day to three. <laughs> and that's with the use of ivermectin in those regions of India that have been using it in their protocols. Um, Mexico City did something similar. Um, Argentina has done something similar. So there's a lot of many parts of the world, they're using it very effectively. Um, and it's something that we really need to sit up and take notice of. And he, he was saying that, um, there's a there's an anti a HIV drug actually antiviral called Maravarac Maravarac, and um, but it's jolly expensive in the UK and we can only use it if we're taking part in a trial. Um, but there's also ivermectin and um, and I think that if people can get hold of that, then it's worth trying. On the FLCCC website, there is we put together some protocols which Dr. Mabin Syed presented at my conference. Um, so we've worked together and put protocol together for long COVID. So it's worth people looking at that, definitely, to see the protocols there. That's the FLCCC website. Yes, yes. And I've been on that as well. (laughs) I recover, it's called. I recover. So yes, you're going to recover. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, again, this has just been amazing. And I, I just sit here nodding my head with everything you say, because I'm just I'm I'm mesmerized by the beautiful work you're doing and just thank you so much for offering hope to others. Oh, well, thank you very much, Terry. Thank you for everything you're doing because, you know, you're reaching out to people in a, in a very impressive and loving way. And that's been just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. So now how do, how do people find you? Where do they, how can they get a hold of you? Um, so I, I can't see anybody from abroad. We can only in my clinic see people who are resident in the UK. However, um, we are putting lots and lots of information on the website for people to see. And on the treatlongcovid.com website, there will be all of the conference. And that's got everything that we've talked about today, including a fantastic presentation by Professor, uh, sorry, not Professor, Dr. Afrin, Lawrence Afrin on muscle activation syndrome. And I was so keen for him to speak at the conference because he, we just need to get the message out about MCAS to as many people, physicians, clinicians, therapists and patients as possible. And I think that maybe, you know, we've made a little start in that regard. So people will be able to um, to go on the website and will be able to stream the lectures. Um, I think we're asking for a little donation uh, for them to do that, which would be lovely uh, because we haven't you know, covered our costs for doing the conference. So that would be gratefully received. It would also help us to do another conference. 
Uh, because as soon as there is more information to share, then we would like to do another TLC conference, um, perhaps, you know, when, when there is the information to share. I'm not going to do it just to say the same thing, but when there's new information that's come to light, new research, uh, new therapies, new results, then we will do another TLC conference. So um, that would be it would be lovely. That's I think that's probably the best place for people to look. And also my website which is drtinapiers.com or uh, menopauseconsultancy.co.uk. Wonderful. Well, and I told you right before we hit record when I attended the conference and the one, everyone was amazing. I learned something from everybody and took notes, but the one that really just blew me away was, was yeah, Dr. Afrin. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a brilliant fellow, fantastic mentor, amazing lecturer, great physician, uh, no, he's he's inspiring, really inspirational. Yes. Well, you can just, I mean, when he would tell the stories about his patients and how he worked with them, there was just so much compassion that it just it touched my heart. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. he's a lovely, lovely man. Brilliant. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and again, shining your light and sharing your brilliant insights in the work you do. Thank you. Well, it's all very humbling, I must say. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywellbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywellbrock.com, you can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope strategies. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.